0: Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so we gather here tonight with grateful hearts, not only for God's blessings, but for God himself. My name is Hal Brady, and it's my prayer that this service will be a blessing both in word and in music. Now I want to read our scripture lesson from the familiar passage of the 100th Psalm. Hear the word of God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations." and may God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of this portion of his holy word. Would you join me please for a word of prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Want to make the most of your life for the rest of your life? This message just may be for you. The late Henry Nouwen, one of the great spiritual giants of the last century, was writing about his years in Latin America he said the word that I kept hearing wherever I went was the word gracias mutus gracias thank you thanks be to God many thanks now and continued I saw thousands of poor and hungry children I met many young men and women without money a job or a decent place to live I spent long hours with sick elderly people and I witnessed more misery and pain than ever in my life. But in the midst of it all, that word lifted me again and again to a new realm of seeing and hearing. Gracias, thanks. Through their gratitude, these particular Latin Americans were making the most of their lives. Now I want us to turn from the Latin Americans to Psalm 100. The psalmist admonishes us to serve the Lord with gladness. But the psalmist is too wise just to leave it at that. Serve the Lord with gladness, how? The psalmist goes on and points out the motivation of gladness, which is gratitude. Mutus gracias. If we read this psalm carefully, we'll discover two reasons that the psalmist is grateful to God. First, there's God's activity in creation. Listen to these verses. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that has made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And second, there's God's love expressed in history. For the Lord God is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Tonight, I want to speak on this most important subject of gratitude. It'll have a lot to do whether we make the most of the rest of our lives. First of all, gratitude is a gift. It's a gift. Scott Peck said one time he was setting. And in his lap there were two checks, one that was given for service rendered and the other that had come in unexpected, unanticipated. He said in actuality he had two meals, one meal that was earned and one meal that was unearned. I want us now to think about the meaning of grace. Of course, the second one is grace. Grace is for free, grace is gratis. And so we have three words here. We have grace, gratis, and gratitude. These are three important words, and they sort of flow into each other. Scott Peck said, Perceive grace, and you will naturally feel grateful. Perceive grace, and you will naturally feel grateful. That's essentially what's going on with the psalmist. He says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Give thanks to Him, and bless His name. The psalmist perceived grace, and he, see, and he feels gratitude. First of all, the psalmist has received grace in God's goodness. God is good, he says. Now John Greenleaf Whittier has written a poem that expresses this beautifully, and I've read this poem at a number of memorial services. Listen, yet in the maddening maze of things, though tossed by storm and flood, to one fixed trust my spirit clings, I know that God is good. There was a mother and a little four-year-old son that was sitting in a doctor's waiting room. As they were sitting there, many questions started coming. The little boy wanted to know, why am I here? Why is the doctor late? Then he started asking questions about God. Who is God? Why isn't God married? Finally, he came to the most important question. The little boy said, why doesn't God ever just get tired and stop? His mother thought a long time. And then she said, God is love, and love never gets tired. And then the second reason the psalmist perceived grace was in God's faithfulness, His faithfulness. And His faithfulness is to all generations. I wonder, have you ever thought about a world, a world of chance, an erratic world that had no, nothing that could be trusted in this world? Have you ever thought about that kind of world? Suppose that pine trees overnight turned into toadstools. Suppose that you planted corn and cauliflower came up. Suppose that the red planet of Mars that came near to us several years back suddenly was not in its prescribed orbit and rather than going away from us collided with us. I think you can see how important order is. And what if the Sun had not arisen in the east this morning? What if the Sun had not arisen at all? That makes us have some severe questions. It was Peter Gomes of the Harvard Chapel that said these words, We do not bless God for our wealth, our health, or our feeble thoughts. We bless God that God is and that we are and that God has promised to be with us when time itself has run out. How important it is for us to consider that. I want us now to think a minute about Thanksgiving. It's very appropriate that we should think about it. But I want you to think about those early pilgrims, those Puritans. We've read about them all our lives. They came over, they were destined for Virginia. But because of some storms, they were knocked off their course and they wound up landing on the New England shore in 1621. The weather was far worse than anybody had ever imagined. And out of the 102 that came on the Mayflower, only 50 survived. And so when they came to the decision, were they going to stay here or were they going to go back to the old world, they decided, as you know, to stay. They planted some barley corn and some rye. Well, then they had to come to another decision. What were they going to do on the first anniversary of their arrival? Some people suggested that they observe a time of mourning for those people who had died. Other people said, though that was appropriate, they didn't think it was appropriate for this situation. They wanted to offer a day of thanksgiving, for after all, 50 of them had survived, 50 out of 102. They had a pretty good crop. The natives didn't treat them too bad. They said, let's celebrate what we have going for us and not what we have going against us. You see, these early pilgrims, these Puritans, they perceived grace and they were grateful. And then I remember Max Lucado talking about this woman who was making her first plane trip. She had never been on a plane flight before. She was sitting in 14E, he was sitting in 14D. And he said he was from an urban area, she was from a rural area. He said she was not sophisticated, he was sophisticated, but she said she was so grateful and he was blind. She said everything about that flight everything about it whatsoever, she was happy and excited about. She was happy at seeing other planes out the window. She was happy at seeing pine trees down below, the seat belt, the canned drinks. She was just so full of everything. And he said, he just sat there. But then she said at the end of the flight, she had the audacity to say to me, he was talking about himself, Lucado. She had the audacity to say to me, listen, You've been spending all your time working on this trip. You need to put up that machine and enjoy the trip. Gulp, he said. He said it's amazing that she was able to perceive the miracles in the ordinary while all the time he was just sitting there as blind as he could be. Evidently, that woman had perceived grace, and she naturally felt thankful. She had perceived grace, and she naturally felt thankful. I have a friend who's been having a a very difficult time. Her health is declining. She recently lost her mother. She's been having all kinds of difficulties. She can't even do some of the activities she used to do. She has a lot to complain about, but she never does. She always tells me about her blessings again and again and again. She mentions her blessings. One time when I was talking to her, which was fairly often, I took a piece of paper while she was talking And I simply wrote these words. She's blessed and she knows it. And ladies and gentlemen, because she's blessed and knows it, the world knows it. It's another way of saying perceive grace and you will be grateful. Perceive grace and you will feel grateful. Gratitude is a gift. Gratitude is a gift. And then secondly, gratitude is a lift. Gratitude is a lift. Upon seeing the same pupil in his office, the fifth time that week. The principal said to this little boy, you've been in my office five straight days, what do you have to say for yourself? The little boy looked down and said, thanks heavens, it's Friday. Thank heavens, it's Friday. You know, of all the days we observe, I think Thanksgiving is my favorite. Not that I don't love Easter and Christmas, I do. Those days are the heart of our Christian faith. But I think Thanksgiving is my favorite. The reason is it's not so full of hustle and bustle and hype. It's just where families get together and they offer their thanks to God for the graciousness of God in their lives. Thanksgiving is a beautiful day primarily because we express our thanksgiving and we ourselves are lifted. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Philippians and to us when he said something like this. He said, have no anxiety about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then he said, peace. But I want you to notice, he said, with thanksgiving. Paul was telling us of the tremendous, uplifting power of grace. Do you know... Also, it's a psychological truth that contrary states of mind expel one another. The more we are filled with gratitude and thanksgiving, the less we are going to suffer from the imprisonments of life. I'm talking about anxiety and fear and all those other things that cause us so much problem. The more we are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude, the less we'll have to deal with those particular imprisonments. There was a great preacher of homiletics at Boston University named William Stidger. He was also one of the distinguished ministers of his generation. At the height of his career, he had a nervous breakdown. He said he went into a deep, deep depression. He stayed there for a month or two. He just couldn't pull out of it. He didn't care for anything. Everything was black and terrible. He just didn't want to do anything. He didn't care for anything. But believe it or not, curiously or not, he came out of it by learning about the attitude of gratitude, the art of being thankful. One of his friends suggested how how he would do it. He said, if you ever had something that came to you as a benefit from someone else and you never thought thanked them for it, so William Stidger decided that he would thank this teacher he had, this teacher who had given him a new appreciation of poetry. He thanked her by writing her a letter. After the letter had been gone for a week, the reply came back from this teacher, and I'd like to share with you the reply of the teacher from his letter. The teacher said this, "'My dear Willie, when I read your letter, "'I was blinded with tears, for I remember you as a boy, "'and as I think of you now, "'I see you as a little fellow in my class. "'You have warmed my old heart. "'I taught school for 50 years. "'Yours is the first letter I ever received. "'It came on a blue, cold Monday morning, It cheered me as nothing has in years. I imagine that thank you letter lifted both the sender and the receiver into a new round of wholeness in their lives. Now, not long ago, I gave this illustration, but I want to give it again. It's so pertinent. Dr. Hans Lilly was in a German prison camp, and he said, though things were horrible, there was a lot of hatred and all that, he said he found that a simple thank you to his guards when they would chain him or give him his meal, sort of pull them up short. He said, one time, one of the guards came back to him and said, why did you thank me for chaining you? Dr. Lilly said, well, you did your job, didn't you? And he said, the guard simply pulled his head down and walked away. Strange enough, in that horrible place of evil, if there was one place where the evil was broken, it was at the point of gratitude, at the point of Thanksgiving I read about a young girl her name was Sydney Connell she she called her father one day and she told him that her bicycle her brand new bicycle had been stolen the father thought she was going to be very upset she wasn't upset she said dad just think of all the bicycles they could have taken they took mine Mutus grasis gratitude is not only a gift gratitude is a lift it's a lift And then thirdly, gratitude is a shift. It's a shift. If you haven't realized this, you're much like the man in the old story who went into the bus station in Athens, Georgia to get a ticket to Greenville, South Carolina. This man walked up to the county, said to the lady behind the county, said, listen, ma'am, I'd like a ticket to Greenville. She gave him the ticket, said, the bus is gonna be a little late, so you go have a seat. Well, he started over to have a seat and he saw this little machine. It was about this high, tell you your name, your age and so forth. He said, I got a minute, I'll just try it. So he reached in his pocket, pulled out a nickel, stuck it in the slot. Down the slot came the ticket. He pulled it out, said, your name is Tom Smith, you're 35 years of age, you live in Athens, Georgia, and you're waiting on a bus to Greenville, South Carolina. Well, the man couldn't understand how the machine could tell him that. He said, I'll try it again. He reached in his pocket, pulled out a nickel, stuck it in the slot. Down came the slot. He pulled it out, said, your name is Tom Smith, you're 35 years of age, you live in Athens, Georgia and you're waiting on a bus to Greenville, South Carolina. Well, the man said, I just can't understand this. It was getting to be a battle between the man and the machine. He said, maybe if I turn around backward and the machine can't see me. So he pulled out a nickel, stuck it in the slot. Down the slot came the ticket. He pulled it out, said, your name is Tom Smith. You're 35 years of age. You live in Athens, Georgia, and you're waiting on a bus to Greenville, South Carolina. Well, this was getting to be a battle between the man and the machine. So he walked out of the bus station. He went to the drugstore. He went into the drugstore said to the lady behind the counter said listen you got some of those glasses with the big nose she said sure he put that on have the big nose he said give me some of those false ears he put them over his ears he said give me a box of band-aids he taped up his face and then he saw a cape he put it around his shoulder he he got a cane he developed a limp he was so disguised his own mother wouldn't recognize him he went out of that drugstore back to the bus station. He limped up to that machine, reached in his pocket, pulled out a nickel, stuck it in the slot, down the slot came the machine, and said, your name is Tom Smith, you're 35 years of age, you live in Athens, Georgia, and while you've been fooling around, you've missed the bus to Greenville, South Carolina. This man fooled around and missed the bus to Greenville. If we're not careful, we can fool around and miss the bus to life, we really can. I repeat, gratitude is a shift. It's a shift away from ourselves and toward God, and toward others. Gratitude recognizes our debt, our debt to God and our debt to others, and gratitude simply wants to pay back out of the gratitude and appreciation in our own hearts and lives toward God and toward others. So often we've heard these words, bless this house, bless this nation, bless us, bless you, bless this mess. But the psalmist in his superior wisdom said, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I never come to a time when I'm thinking about gratitude that I don't remember something that happened to us in an annual conference. The presiding bishop was presiding in the conference, and there was an old retired bishop sitting out in the congregation. And the bishop said, do you have anything you'd like to say? And the old retired bishop limped up to the podium, And he said, yes, I'd just like to share with you a few things for which I'm thankful. He said, I'm thankful for this country, the United States of America, and the opportunities provided me. He said, I'm thankful for my family, the training I've received at home. He said, I'm thankful for the church. He could have said the synagogue or the mosque. He said, I'm thankful for the church, not so much for what the church has done for me, but for what I in my own small way have been able to do for the church. And then he said, I'm thankful for God. And immediately I started thinking about the words of Isaac Watts' great hymn, Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. And then what I'm saying is it's a shift away from ourselves, not only to God, but to other people. It's sort of the pay it forward idea. You know, people have blessed us. Consequently, we want to do something to bless other people. I've read about people who would go through these situations on highways where they had to pay the toll, and then they would pay for the one behind them. And I've seen people who would go out and pay for people's supper or lunches or breakfast and not tell them. It's the same idea of paying it forward. There is a shipbuilding company in the East, and that shipbuilding company has this as their motto, and I love it. We build good ships at a profit if we can, At a loss if we must, but we build good ships anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Pay it forward. Build good ships anyway. You want to make the best of the rest of your life, then remember what I said about gratitude. It is a gift, God's gift to us. It is a lift. It will lift up our lives, and it's a shift. It shifts us away from ourselves toward God and other people. Now would you join me, please, for prayer. Oh Lord, how grateful we are for this wonderful season. Not simply for the season, but for every day when we can pause to express our gratitude to you. We are so grateful, oh God, for the love that undergirds and sustains our lives for all the blessings, but most of all for you. Thank you for you, oh God. Please receive our glory for you. Amen now let me thank you for watching our ministry again people have asked me what are the purposes of Al Brady's ministry number one is to lift up Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a biblical vital and relevant way is to encourage people and to remind them that there is still God and if you would like to partner with us in this ministry either by your prayers or your financial support we encourage you to do so and we express a word of thanks by the way You can get these programs now on my website. It's www.howlbradyministries.com. Thank you for joining us tonight, and have a good evening and a happy Thanksgiving.
1: of God.